Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. All right, we are live. And Zach, I want you to reach in your gym shorts and tell me if you have a pair, because on In the Can, we're not going to get out tuft. This is the way back on In the Can, part of the Barnburner Podcast Network. Hey, you're the best player on the team. you're suffering i just want you to be happy again but you gotta want it too well, I know about it, darling, I've been standing here. keep pressing trapping taking charges you guys earn this tonight Welcome to In the Can, the movie podcast on the Barnburner Podcast Network. Uh, we are about to talk the way back, the new Aflac basketball movie that basically went direct to VOD after COVID-19 kind of ruined the theater-going experience for the whole country. And uh, right now I'm drinking an, an ice-cold uh, Michelob Ultra in a draft glass like, uh, like our boy Cunningham would, um, enjoying a nice domestic beer. And uh, I'm here with Zach. We're about to talk this movie. We're in a quarantine right now, so all we can do is watch movies. And given that there's no sports, what better thing to do than to watch sports movies? Zach, how are you? Are you excited to talk about this movie? I am. I am. Uh, I was expecting you to have imported some cutters to your, or not import, but to have at least, you know, have some cutters shipped to your house so that it could be a little bit more authentic. But, you yeah. know, that's okay. Michelob Ultra, that, that'll do. I just needed a nice, like, light beer in a glass, you know, for the effect there. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's actually pretty delicious. I, I don't drink Nicolet much anymore, but, uh, you know, it's, it's light, crisp, and not many calories. Yeah, I may have gotten a Costco pack the last time I was there, so working through that. Very nice. Um, the plot of this movie, uh, I'll just read it. I, re- I got the Warner Brothers version. It's pretty good. So back in high school, Jack Cunningham had everything going for him. A basketball phenom, he could have punched his ticket to college and even the pros, but instead he chose to walk away from the game, forfeiting his future. Jack's glory days are gone, but it turns out not forgotten. Years later, he gets the chance to take back his life when he's asked to coach his high school team. He reluctantly accepts, but he's about to learn more about himself than the boys do. Uh, you know, that, That's a nice little Warner Brothers plot summary and, and a good setup to this movie, which... If if I asked you right now, uh, is this a basketball movie? I would say I went in expecting it to be a basketball movie, and then the further along that I got in the movie, I realized that that is not what it was about. So right now, I would have to go with no, it is not a basketball movie. There's a lot of it's like it's Die Hard a Christmas movie. It takes place during Christmas, but you know you can that's a debate that you can have. What is it about? I'd say it is about a struggling middle-aged man with a dead-end job who is a struggling alcoholic trying to make his way back to mm-hmm. normalcy and kind of find a purpose and some uh, consistency in his life. And he, he does a lot of that through these kids that he, you know, it's kind of a chance encounter, kind of a weird situation for him to be able to really impact their lives, but... They end up impacting his life just as much. Yeah, and, and, and the original title of this movie was called The Has Been, um, you know, referring to the titular Aflac Jack Cunningham character. Uh, I think that's an apt title, too. I, I don't know why they changed it, but that was the original title. 
Uh, it really is kind of a story about a guy like, uh, and, and it's life imitating art too. We might get into it later, but Affleck has a lot of this going on in his personal life. And so he wanted to channel a lot of that stuff into the character. Uh, you know, thinking about it, there's really not a lot of these movies that come out anymore. I was trying to think that the last like inspirational sports movie, so to speak, that I remember seeing and like Coach Carter is one that comes to mind. That was in mid 2000s. And, uh, and you know, I, I can't imagine another one. I don't know what you think. I mean, Moneyball is one we talked about recently and that was nine years ago. Uh, but these are kind of a, a lost art. And I think movie studios are tr- starting to figure out that you can you can pay like three or four million dollars and get this movie made. And then it's going to, you know, like 10 times whatever you put into it because it's they're cheap to make. It's like you don't have to special effects. It's like very easy and cheap to make. But this movie, uh, just like every single movie at the box office, the weekend of March 13th and 15th, it suffered a, a horrible second weekend, dropping 70 percent from where it was on the release day. So this movie actually ended up like losing money purely based on the crazy circumstance that happened. Uh, it was, a, I believe, a 20-something million dollar budget. So pretty modest. Probably Affleck's salary was a large portion of that. Uh, but that, that was tough to see. And so I hope it had a good run uh, on VOD and I hope it's making some money back because I want more of these movies. These are good movies and are different than the normal Marvel stuff or whatever that you see coming out. Uh, and in fact, later we'll be joined by one of the actors in the movie, uh, Rome Mathis, who was on the Bishop team and was around the, the actors every day on set and played a huge part in the production. So we'll get some inside knowledge onto how the way back filming went and looking forward to talking to Rome later. Um, but let, let's start with this. What is your relationship to Ben Affleck? Like you as a movie watcher? Um, I couldn't name you like off the top of my head that many movies that he's been in. I'm trying to think of, yeah, I, c- I couldn't name you one like right on the spot. I don't think. But he, so, so he, you're not like a big Affleck guy. You're not uh, like no. a, you, or like if I say Ben Affleck, what do you think of? If not this movie, I honestly don't know. Okay, I mean, so yeah. he has been, and the reason you say that you're not like super plugged into pop culture, but yeah. he has been like a kind of like off the the wayside for a while, and like he had. You know, like he was basically the biggest movie star ever in the late 90s, Armageddon, um, Pearl Harbor. He was getting all these like big Jerry Bruckheimer movies. And then he did uh, a couple of movies in the early 2000s, which were panned, started dating Jennifer uh, J-Lo, you know, Jennifer Lopez. Then he had a bunch of like high profile relationships and he became more known for like, you know, who his, he was dating. Yeah, he was dating. Uh, his and his, he was doing a bunch of weird movies and, and you know, hadn't really been anything that was any good in a while during that decade. Um, and then, you know, broke, dated Aniston too, broke up with her. And so everyone started hating him. He got like an insanely ridiculous, like Phoenix tattoo on his back. Have you seen his Phoenix tattoo? Probably not. Have you seen his Phoenix tattoo? Okay. So it it is like, no, I remember like specifically watching, uh, like people magazine or seeing a people in like the grocery store and like on it was like Affleck at the beach and he had this Phoenix tattoo that takes up his entire back. Or it's like a hawk or something. It's a giant bird, and it looks outrageous. Mm-hmm. It looks like a like a samurai tattoo, like you'd see, like in you know, like you know, what I'm talking about. And but he has it for some reason. He's just like a bizarre guy. Like he's just kind of never done what I think people expected him to do, or become the actor that a lot of people thought he would be. You know, he starts out at the very beginning by winning a best act or best screenwriting uh, Oscar when he co-wrote Goodwill Hunting with Matt Damon. And so you're like, this guy's going to take over Hollywood. And then Damon kind of goes on like the better career than Affleck does. Affleck's always like the funnier kind of shit kicking buddy of Damon in most of these, these roles. But it's interesting that then he, he uh, directs the town. I don't know if you've seen the town. I'm sure you have. Oh yeah. That, With John Hamm. Right. He, and he directs and stars in that. 
Um, and then he directs Argo, and he stars in that, and, and he wins a uh, Argo wins Best Picture. He doesn't win Best Director, but he kind of gets his juju back. Then he was in Gone Girl, which he's fantastic, and he kind of like comes back. Uh, but then he, he uh, his alcoholism apparently takes over, and so he's gone for another three or four years. Then he comes back and does this movie. So it's it's like I said, life imitating art. Earlier, he he has been on the record talking about this character and how he was like you know, a lot of the little, little weird alcoholism ticks that you see in this movie are things that he's done and things that weren't in the script. They're just like, no, here's what you would do. If you, if I'm on a beer bender, then I'm putting one in the freezer and, you know, drinking one and like, I'm rotating that, but stuff like that. It's just like, that's like an alcoholic, you know, that uh, the stuff that I've never considered not to be like, I'm not an alcoholic, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's like next level. You're just so in tune with that. Right. And he just had such a rhythm with it. He wasn't Mm -hmm. even thinking about it. So that, that's kind of the, the genesis of Aflac. Um, and then the, the director of this movie is a guy named Gavin O'Connor. Um, he, he did the movie Warrior, which you may have seen, Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and so he's kind of the, the king of these dramatic sports, like daddy issue, dude cry movies. Like the dude cry genre has been made on, on the internet to cover this dude's movies. Like it's like it covers issues that guys just get really emotional about, you know, relationship with your dad or like. You know, as we'll see in this movie, a, a, lo- a failed marriage and lost child and things like that that really like get to dudes and uh, and kind of like in, in a very specific way. Uh, so he he's done he did Miracle in the early 2000s with a hockey movie uh, with Kurt Russell about the 80s USA Olympic team. He did The Accountant with Affleck, but he uses sports as a cathartic concept in his movies. Like you know, we're watching a story about a dude who's going through life like figuring shit out, but then sports is kind of what gets him there. You know, in, in some way or another. Um, so one thing I want to talk about too, before we get in to the, uh, categories is Jack Cunningham plays at Bishop high school. Uh, and he is a, like a, I think player of the year in, I think this is a Los Angeles high school based Catholic high school in, in 93, 94, I think. And then he was going to yeah, go play at Kansas. Was... I think it's a banner says 93, 94. So he was yeah. going to go play at Kansas after that. So I looked at the Kansas roster, obviously, cause I wanted to know, what he'd be walking into. That's a Roy Williams coach, Kansas team at that point. Uh, and it's got, uh, in 95, 96, actually a young Paul Pierce joins the team. Uh, and then Rafe LaFrance is the other big guy on that team. Rafe LaFrance, of course. Yeah. <laughs> played four years. And then the, the, a couple of sweet 16 elite eight runs there in the, in the nineties with that Kansas team. So, you know, top 10 ranked throughout the season. So he was going to join like, a you know, the powerhouse that we know Kansas to be today, even then, but I just couldn't help but imagine, Cunningham and running with Paul Pierce and, and Rafe LaFrance. I mean, what do you think his play style is? We Is he a, uh, I mean, not to compare white guys to white guys, but is he like a J.J. Redick, like shooting guard? I mean, he, he, to me, he has to be. Like, I, I feel like that's kind of what they modeled him after. Or like a Dante DiVincenzo, that type of player. Mm-hmm. Or like s- some sort of, uh, what, what's the guy, uh, Forte from Oklahoma State? Phil Forte, for, yeah. yeah, Phil Forte, gotta yeah. be something like that. Hard Phil Forte knows. was there for 10 years at Oklahoma State, I believe. <laughs> Hard-nosed point guard, you know, can hit his spots, is really, really intelligent. Yeah, heady, heady, plays hard. I mean, all those stereotypical, like, white guy uh, accolades for basketball. Mm -hmm. But they made him sound like a legit superstar. I mean, they were, like, the best high school player I've ever seen, you know. And Bishop is clearly a high school that has a mixed team. It's not like he's, like, in a really expensive private school sort of situation, you know. So uh, it it kind of reminded me of, uh, you know, someone that was, like, maybe shockingly athletic, like a – uh, not not like a forte, not like a do it all heady point guard, but more of like a guy that could dunk on you, you know, like uh, you know what I'm saying. Like yeah. I, 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 no yeah. one's coming to mind now, but uh, I, I love the notion of that. I love the fitting in of a fictional character and kind of real life stuff. That's always cool in sports. Um, 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, what what were some of the things you you wanted to talk about with this movie before we get into categories? Did you have anything you wanted to point out? Did anything jump out to you, uh, or or do you want to go ahead and jump in the categories? So, so like I mentioned earlier, that I I went in, so I didn't do any research on it ahead of time. You know, I was, I was like basketball movie. Okay, I'm I'm in. I didn't know that it was going to be such a. And you mentioned that it was a a dude cry movie, but mm. I didn't really know to the fullest extent kind of what you meant by that, and becoming a father myself recently, like the last half of the movie was I'm taking notes. Most of the first half, you know, maybe even towards the, the latter third, but then, you know, the last quarter of the movie, I just like was just zoned in on everything going on. And I, even the basketball stuff was definitely secondary at that point to kind of the real life situations that he was working through, you know, with, like you mentioned the failed marriage, the, the child that passed away, then seeing that in his, his friend having to go through the same exact situation. Uh, all those are, you know, pretty, pretty tough things that, you know, a lot of people have to deal with. Yeah. Trigger points for him kind of driving back mm-hmm. to the bottle. Well, I mean, was were those effective to you or were they sort of like those sorts of things can kind of, if you step outside yourself and think like, Oh, they're putting this in here. So that way I get emotional or they can come across as cheap plot devices if they're not well executed or well yeah. acted. But how, how did you feel about this film's execution of those elements? No, I thought they were good. I thought those became the focal point of the movie. Like that became what everything, the further you went along in the story, the more that was revealed about Jack's past, the more that you really understood him and understood the situation that he was in and the decisions that he had made. So all of those things, I didn't think that they were you know, cheesy plot points. I thought that they were pretty pivotal, pivotal and really gave us more in-depth understanding of what was actually going on with that character. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Yeah. And, and so let's talk a little bit about the squad too. the, um, the, the basketball team yeah. that comes in to coach. I feel like we got to dive into this roster and kind of dissect, put our front af- front front office hats on. Uh, so yeah, feel free to jump in whenever. I mean, I've got like five of them written down here, but I've got, um, well, let's start with Brandon. Let's start with the point guard. Uh, he, he's the 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 quiet point guard, the the best player on the team, a son of a another local basketball star. Uh, and we see this this kind of generational talent passed down. Uh, he he's, he is he is literally quiet, not a natural leader, but is the most talented guy on the team. Maybe won't acknowledge it himself right off the bat. And um, he is uh, kind of the the main basketball character, I'd say. One you know the the one the coach develops the best relationship with. Their most yeah. at least the relationship we see the most on screen. Uh, we got Marcus, who's the mouthy center, who's the six-three short center. Uh, he's got to get his head on right. He's he's jacking threes. He's proud of his sh- shooting percentage, even though he, he can't hit the the ocean from no, the beach. No, he's proud of his counting stats. Yeah, he, exactly. He hit the most threes. Yeah, exactly. He, he was shooting like twenty-three percent. I, I want to point out Hollinger would hate that. Clear. <laughs> Affleck clearly has an old-school uh, basketball uh, understanding and kind of strategy by. He literally told the guy, he's like, you're the tallest person on the team. Don't leave the paint. And mm. I was like, oh, man. Affleck's never heard of uh, sabermetrics and new age analytics. Jeez. Yeah, man, let's play five out, you know? Like, I mean, let's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's, let, let's like, create like, driving lanes for Brandon, but uh, <laughs> whatever. Um, and you, especially you've got Marcus, who's, you know, can conceivably shoot. He, he didn't, you know, mm-hmm. shoot a high percentage. But, like, I think, you know, you get him in the gym shooting. You create, like, space for... Uh, you create space for Marcus, and and we'll see where that goes. Well, speaking of shooting, you got Kenny, who's the white the white shooter. Yeah, the I mean the the veritable Mike Miller on the team, and the ladies' man of the group, uh, who wears the ninja oh. headband, who I love. Like, what do you think of Kenny? 
Dude, I loved Kenny. <laughs> yeah, I figured he you would. me up so yeah. much. With, like, uh, when it becomes just uh, customary for him to be, like, kissing out with or kissing a different girl before the game. Mm. And, like, at, eventually Affleck just accepts it. And he's like, come on, Kenny. Like, we, just, we have to go. We have a game. Mm. Like, that just cracked me up so and, much. And they bring it back, too. When and they an have irrational him running. confidence guy, for yeah. sure. Yeah, the best shooter on the team. You know, shot 42% or so, uh, I think, is the stats given to us by the assistant coach. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of the assistant coach, yeah, uh, we got uh, Al Madrigal, is the, the, the actor's name, plays Dan, the assistant coach. The algebra teacher and, and a former bench player there at the high school is kind of taking the assistant mantra and uh, but can't take the full-time job because he's got family issues of his own. So what do, you, what do you think of Al, I think, or Dan, rather? I think you text me and you love this assistant. Is that, is that because you see yourself, this is your role? Are you, this, are you the quiet, heady coach on the bench, you know, that's the go, that good job, boys? Or, you know, explain to me why you like this character so much. Uh, so I, he, he's, like, really prepared. He knew – he had all the numbers already, which even though Affleck doesn't fully get – space in the floor on offense uh, quite yet, but the assistant coach is already kind of thinking that way. Pretty even keel. He kind of serves as the liaison between uh, the, re- the the chaplain, Affleck, and the player. Like he's kind of in, in the middle, kind of playing all, playing all the sides, keeping everything together because you got, you know, Cunningham has – He's coming from a different angle as far as his coaching style than most of these kids are used to, and they're a little bit against the you know the code of ethics or whatever, uh, however the chaplain refers to him at that point. Um, I just really liked him for that. I do question. I'm like, so he couldn't be the head coach because of prior commitments, but he's there all the time. So what's the difference? I don't know. Maybe he didn't have enough time to spend extra time in the film room but it sure seems like he is already doing that and learning everything yeah yeah i, I agree kind of seemed like he got out of it i mean he, i think he references that at night he has to do things for his family and so like at night he can't be like running night practices or like we i don't know but he's at all the games so yeah i don't know I, it was a little plot thing it's yeah. like hey we need we need you aflac whatever yeah exactly yeah. Uh, and let's move on uh, but so then we got the, yeah. la- the last guy I want to talk about, too, is Bobby Freeze, the classic football player turned bruising big man. Uh, I think a strong safety on the football team. Uh, the, the white guy with the headband that, that puts his hair behind his ears with the headband, which I love to see. Uh, and, you know, he, he's not much skill, but all toughness on this guy. And, you know, I see a lot of uh, Montrez Harrell in him, you know, kind of a, sets good screens, rolls to the rim hard, you know, is where he needs to be. Um, you know, not necessarily the most athletic guy, but but knows you know is always in the spots, is always rolling to the rim. The kind of guy with the Memphis Tigers could use right now, to be honest with you. Uh, they can actually set a screen, but uh, that's neither here nor there. What, what about what about our, our guy Freeze? He starts off as six man, and then as we see Marcus kind of get demoted, kicked off the team, uh, Freeze takes that starting role and, and takes it with pride. I think. Yeah, not a deep bench, and, and I think he is your uh, in this. On this roster, he is the next man up once Marcus gets kicked off the team. And he comes in, performs admirably. He's a glue guy. Every team needs this glue guy. Uh, and he plays his role, I think. Agreed. Do you, do you have any other shout-outs to the team? I, I kind of hit the starters, but there's a, I think the former captain is a guy named Sam, I think, uh, the former captain of the team that gets that, you know that's kind of just like the senior leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't know if you One have thing, anyone else you want to shout-out. Yeah, one thing with him is that I kind of noticed that um, when – when Cunningham makes uh, Marcus the captain, the other guy just w- like 
is so okay with handing off being captain. He's like, oh man, yeah, we'll follow you wherever. Yeah. And I thought that I was like, I don't know if it would always happen like that. If you're a senior, you've been on a team for four years and you've been given the captainship. It takes a really mature person, I should say, to be able to just pass that on to someone who you recognize as kind of the on-court leader. Uh, but props to him for that. That's true. I, I think that was his like kind of steering into his leadership and saying like this kid's like a really good kid. And they kind of set it up earlier. But these are high school kids. So you had to think they're a little bit jealous of playing time and all that. Um, yeah. Balancing those egos is always the toughest part of coaching, I have to imagine. Uh, okay, so let's move into the categories. First up. As usual, we have who gets the most buckets in this movie, the best acting category. I, I feel like there's another layup, uh, no pun intended. Yeah. It, it, it's just, he's get, you know, Affleck is given the most to do. He plays the main character. He's in nearly every scene, if not every scene. And uh, it's sort of a setup as an acting vehicle for Affleck to flex the muscles. You know, he can play the hard ass, the alcoholic, the callous guy, the failed husband, you know, the tear-jerking scenes with the psychologist or with his ex-wife and he gets to run the whole gamut and in a year where we really no movies are coming out uh and there hasn't been a lot of like oscar caliber movies because like those usually come out at the end of the year a lot of people are talking about you know maybe he gets a knot you know this is a good little performance and isn't the type of movie that usually makes it uh into that category but you know people are talking about him at any rate and it might just depend on what else comes out for the rest of the year but uh, i thought Affleck was really good and and you know, he, he came across convincing with his basketball nods, the way he talked about it, the way he commanded the huddle, and mm-hmm. the character, I think, was believable. And he, he's just made his money playing these kind of deadbeat, burnout guys that are like blue-collar guys but are probably more qualified, but he doesn't give a shit because he just wants to drink beer. Um, so I, I, I fully bought into it, and I thought he was good. I mean, I, I have no complaints about Affleck's performance. Yeah, I'd agree. The whole movie is centered around him and his story, so... And he did a really good job with it, so it's kind of hard to go against him. Yeah. Uh, but let's move on to the uh, second category, which, of course, is the Six Man Slash Woman Award makes the most of their role with limited screen time. Uh, Zach, who do you have for the uh, Six Man Award? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Al Madrigal and the assistant coach. He really, I mean, for all the reasons I listed before, he's kind of the, he keeps the team afloat, both on the front and back end of Jack's tenure there. And he, he makes, he's got good ethics. He makes tough decisions like confronting Jack when he could have just turned his head when he found the beer and then also reporting him to the father. You know, that, that's a tough thing to do. But ultimately, we find out that's the right thing to do because it kind of led to a series of events that gets Jack checked into rehab and everything uh, back on track. So if he doesn't do that, then, you know, Jack might win some basketball games, but that's not going to help his you know, overall quality of life and his mental health. Yeah, I agree. I, one thing I liked about the ending of this movie, too, is it didn't take that cheesy way out. I think that, you know, you have the uh, the, uh, the pastor or the, the father, the principal, effectively, of the Catholic school, and then the assistant coach come in and confront Jack later in the film and say, like, look, we gave you a warning. We, uh, we You were drunk when you showed up to practice, and we're going to have to remove you and Jack, of course, he turns it around on them immediately and is defensive and says, just give me another chance. Let's get through the playoffs and, and, and gives them the chance to sort of just say, yeah, you're right. Let's just get through the playoffs Which and then we'll I figure it out. I thought it was going to happen. I thought they were going to be like, you know what? Okay. But right. yeah, I was really surprised that they kind of stuck with that. 
And that's kind of what he's gone through with his whole life. I could sense like he's gotten, a, he's a, he's a charismatic guy, charming guy. Like he's a little bit of a bully, you know, he, he could like it went, and with the assistant early when the assistant approaches him and earlier in the movie is like, yo dude, I found some beer cans in the office. And he's like, what, you're not going to break my balls over a few beers. Are you? I mean, come yeah. on. Like, and, and the guy kind of just is a quieter kind of a beta type guy, just a naturally mm -hmm. quieter guy. And so um, you, you wonder if he's if going to bully his way into the continued position or not. And then they're like, no, dude, like you made the decision. You know, the, you didn't like it, it wasn't us. Once we figured out what you were doing, the decision's already made for us. We don't have to decide whether to keep you. Mm -hmm. You already made the decision by doing this. So I thought that was kind of telling and didn't give the character the easy way out. Of course, that drives them to the ultimate catharsis and kind of drives them to have that one last bender. And then he finally gets his life right uh, when he realizes what matters. So. Uh, kind of the catalyst to his the full character arc for him but i did like that whereas some movies would take the easy way out they'd be like oh just don't drink again jack and then he'd come back and coach him do a you know a playoff Title. win yeah, yeah exactly and it, it was like that's not what it was about it was about this guy's journey yeah. which was which was good um yeah i mean that he, he he's the kind of the second most screen time i feel like after Affleck. i, I really liked uh, as far as the players go clark Greg or Melvin Gregg as Marcus, the uh, you know he he was good at convincing player uh, on the team and and had the kind of the biggest emotional arc of the players. Like he was kicked off the team, he, the classic like bad attitude kid, like thinks he's awesome and maybe isn't that awesome, but shows up to practice late. And it, it's funny that Affleck demonstrates the the no exceptions made to his players, but then when you know the, it happens to him later, he tries to make excuses just like Marcus did, and so mm -hmm. they kind of do the shades of that. But uh, Melvin Gregg's a good young actor. He, he's in a movie called High Flying Bird on Netflix, uh, plays an NBA player that's like just entering the league. And it's a movie about agents and all the, the kind of the background behind basketball. There's a lockout in the fictional movie. And so that he's trying to navigate what it's like to be enter the draft when there's a lockout going on. Uh, and so he plays like a, a top three pick or so. And that's a good movie we're checking out, too, if you like the kind of the behind the scenes sort of basketball movies and, and kind of relevant with all this stuff like the new uh invention with how the g leagues go into mm. with with this the whole basketball landscape really changing and the way that guys are able to make money and make a name for themselves is kind of changing so yeah that movie is really relevant to that yeah uh and then I, honorable mention to um michaela watkins as beth um who I, I think was the uh the wife right or is it angela the wife you remember? Uh, the wife is yeah, it's, Angela. It's, yeah, it's Beth, right. Beth, Beth is his sister. That's right. Janina Gavincar is uh, plays the um, the the wife, and I thought she was good. And I, something I haven't seen her in. I haven't really seen her in a lot of stuff. So I, I thought she was like really unique and good. And you know, it, it, it's a role that you have to kind of display your acting chops. You're like emotional scenes with Affleck, and then of course you're kind of a a younger actor who, who isn't really known, at least to me has to go match wits with Affleck in these emotional scenes. That's tough. So I thought she did a really good job. And I mean, it takes two in those scenes. So I thought that like, you know, a, a, a more recognizable actor, maybe like if it was like Jennifer Aniston or something, it might've seemed distracting. Uh, so that I thought that was really good that she was, was able to hold her own weight there. Yeah, that's very true. Um, well, let's move into Isoplay, which is a single greatest scene. I've made some nominations in my notes, and and feel free to add one in. Um, so first, I've got the rehearsing, the call to the father to reject the job. He's getting beer after beer, one beer in the freezer at a time. Um, his call is getting more 
Frank by the beard, you know, his, his, his rejection is getting more intense and mean. And I thought that was really effective to show where his mental state is, the alcoholism and it was a really cool. I hadn't seen anything like that before in a, in a movie about an alcoholic. So that was <laughs> really effective and, and dark, but still comical a little bit, you know, but, but it's all like sort of, you're shaking your head like this guy, man, like you just, you, you just watch him like destroy himself on screen, you know, and, and you want to shake him yeah. and be like, dude, that's kind of the whole thing with addiction, though. It's like you're, you're, you, they even they realize how stupid it is, but they can't do anything about it. Uh, so, uh, though that was a great scene, the introduction to the scene, the team scene where the assistant coach breaks the whole squad down, and then um, Jack first comes in and says how he feels about each of them, and says, you know, Marcus, he roasts March, Marcus, and says you can't hit the ocean from the beach because they're not guarding you. And that sort of lays in the roster of who we're uh, going to see in this film. By the way, honorable mention to Rome, he's a uh, heavily prominently featured in that scene uh he's kind of the backup point guard i don't know if you know uh if you looked him up but i think he wears number 33 in most of the film uh so next scene first game against memorial uh where he meets the douchey you know prep school coach who's got the the talented roster who says i'll take the thoroughbreds the douchey coach when referring to his players oh, which I hated is that guy horrendous as as yeah that, that. fuck that guy for sure uh, and and uh, and then you have the i will not coach a team that's been, that will be out toughed speech uh, where Affleck tells him to basically flagrant foul all those guys that are going to the rim. Uh-huh. Um, the final game against Memorial, the, the must win to get into the playoffs, is another great scene. I thought it's the classic sports, the last game of the you know the, the in, in the movie and the final buzzer shot taken by the best player. I thought good setup with the whole Brandon thing. He goes like he draws up the play earlier in the film where he has Brandon like high screen, you know, driving to his right, and then he tries to, to give it to the roll man. Or, you know, if, that, if none, neither of those options are open, he kicks it to the corner for an open three, the Kenny shooter. And uh, he does that, and Affleck says, like, no, no, no. Like, even if they collapse on you, you're the best player. I want you taking that shot 100 times out of 100. And in this game, he, you know, he does, he does that. He takes a shot. So I thought good setup payoff there. And then the last thing I have is Affleck with the grief counselor, addiction counselor at the end, where she's telling him how – basically explaining him his, his, his psychology. And he's just like, just hold shot on Affleck, and he just kind of does the whole – holding back tears thing. And it's, you know, it's effective. It's, it definitely plays with your emotions. You could tell that scenes in there to like manipulate you, but he's good in it. So, you know, you can't be mad about it. Any other yeah, think, uh, mentions for you? Uh, one that I would add is when he's trying to get, like you mentioned, Brandon is a, a low key. He's the on the court leader with his actions, but not his vocal cords. He doesn't ever speak up. People can't hear him even in a completely empty gym. And then uh, Cunningham's going wet. Yeah, you got to do yell motion, man. Get us into the motion yeah. offense. They don't know when they're in the Atlanta high set, Zach. Yeah. How are they if they're in Atlanta high and Brandon's not yelling? How are they going to get into their set? God, <laughs> yell, Brandon. Yeah, and then Coach uh, Cunningham's way up at the top, and he's just yelling at Brandon like, "I cannot hear you up here. I can't hear you. How are you supposed to hear at Memorial when there's three thousand fans, you know, screaming down your throat?" And then he like throws the the ball at the the he throws the basketball he has at the ball rack, and then he's throw the ball rack or he throws it at the coach one of the two, and uh, he's like can you hear me now? And then he storms out and then Cunningham like kind of talks to himself. He goes, I can hear you now. Yeah. <laughs> so you would think it was a sort of a he would challenge him until he broke him, you know, and then yeah. that would, that would make him loud. So all right. So what if you you've coached a local uh, rec team? or inner city team to a, a, a title as an assistant, what what would you do in the place of, of the situation like that where you had a, 
the best player was your point guard, which is what you want, obviously. You, you ball in his hands most of the time. But he's too quiet. He's not a leader. How, how do you motivate him? You know, are you Cunningham strategy, or what would you do? Uh, I would definitely, I think, spend time with like one-on-one conversation and pumping him up that way, kind of in- encouraging him and telling him, really, he, he kind of took that approach a little bit in that huddle right there and kind of on the, the car ride and saying, like, you're the best guy. You need to be doing this. Why are you not doing this? Clearly, Brandon doesn't believe in himself, but finding a way to you know, help him understand that he has the ability and should be the one taking those last second shots. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, I, I feel like you know you've been welcome there in the Bishop uh, Bishop Hayes Tiger squad on the bench there, Zach. Uh, maybe they needed the Barnburner bro uh, on deck. <laughs> um, so yeah, what all right, well, what's your favorite? I'll let you pick. You know, what what was the scene that affected you the most? The one that you know, if if you were trying to talk someone into watching this movie and you were like, they got this great scene where. So I think that the first scene that really got me, uh, the first one that I wrote down as a potential best scene was the one that you mentioned where he's rehearsing the call of the father. That's really where I think things kind of take a left turn, really change the arc of what's going on. You know, he has the conversation of uh, where the father tries to get him to coach, and then then he goes home. He's like, no, I'm just not going to do this. You kind of know that he needs to do it. He knows that he needs to do it, and that's ultimately why he ends up coaching the team. Uh, but that one was really – I really liked that scene. That was the first one that really kind of got me zoned in on everything that was going on. So I'm going to have to go with that, where he's cycling the beers between the fridge and the freezer. Yeah, and, and, and I agree. It's a great scene. There's a lot of good, like like we mentioned earlier, a lot of good little alcoholism sort of scenes and things like that make you believe in the character, like the the beers in the shower, man. That's like, I mean, you know, to some degree, oh, yeah. you can kind of look back on college and be like, damn, like that maybe shouldn't have been drinking so much. But the, you know, the, the I'm beers glad we and, didn't know about the freezer deal in the college. God, right? Yeah, you just like <laughs> before you know it, how many beers did he put down in that scene? Like thirty? I mean, there were like yeah, a, I think a was, case, you know, to, definitely a case at least. Um, you know, all I could think about too, in all those scenes, he'd go to this local bar and then, you know, would get carried up by this guy, like the bartender, like the bar back or whoever works at the bar there, maybe just some other patron that used to carry his dad, I guess. Yeah. Um, doc. Yeah. Yeah. Doc, that character, was he, did he work there? Or was he just like a regular? I think he was, he was just a regular. Yeah. Okay. And, and I kept thinking like, man, dude, the hangovers this guy like must feel, you know, and, and you're older, right? And you're, you're like drinking yourself to blackout. And you can't even like articulate words. You wake up and then you start drinking again. I guess it's the hair of the dog thing, right in the beer in the morning. And then he's putting mm. straight whiskey or vodka or gin in his coffee mug and like working oh. heavy machinery. Like just like, yeah, a, that... like warm, shitty lick liquor, like in your like coffee cup while you're operating heavy machinery and like on these all these like crazy elevators to work on construction sites. I was mm-hmm. I was cringing, man. That that stressed me out a little bit, not gonna lie. The, the very unsafe acts that I saw there were whew, pretty stressful. Being someone that works around equipment with, you know, a lot of OSHA standards, that uh, that was very unsettling. Yeah, you don't want to hire Jack Cunningham for sure. Uh, make, make sure you, you know, you do your background research and make sure there's no tragic loss in someone's past before you, uh, <laughs> you, you can discriminate against people for being tragically tragic history. <laughs> Is that a protected class? I don't I, know. It sounds right to me. I, 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 that's not legal advice, though. You heard it here. Um, it's expressly not legal advice, actually. 
So do we are those are those at tattoos on Affleck's arms? Are those real? Do we think? Like or or uh, I, I know he has the crazy back tat, but like yeah, yeah, but I like couldn't help but wonder if like how much of it is his actual life and all that. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, what's was, your pick for best scene? Um, that scene's really good. I I always like a good like when you're introduced to the team that that's, that's a hard scene to pull off and have some zip to it. You know, like he comes in, you got the assistant breaking down the roster, explaining who's who, who does what, and you're seeing, you know, shots of them in, in game action when they're scrimmaging. And, um, and you have Affleck kind of introduction to the team. He lines them up and he kind of talks shit to all of them. And they like sort of respect him, but they're also sort of like, wait, who the hell is this guy? He probably smells like beer. He's wearing like a, his move in this is like the t- honestly his move is like any other hipster white guy at any brewery these days. It's the the plaid shirt over the t shirt, but sometimes he wears the the, oh, the track pants too. Like, Are you wearing that right now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I didn't even notice, but he's got like the he's got the track pants on too, and some old basketball shoes from back in the day. He's wearing. Uh, I just love his his like kind of. Also, did you notice that he like I, I watched it today again for the second time. I feel like he loses weight throughout the film. Uh, like, he, like he literally like, and maybe he was like trying to show that he was drinking so much that you're just like inevitably going to be a little bigger because you're, you know, so many calories drinking. But I, he he does he gets actively smaller throughout the film and more in shape. I, I don't know if that was purposeful or what, but I don't I don't know. I didn't notice that, but I did notice at one point I was like, he's a big dude. Like he yeah, looks like that's a big swole. dude. He he is a he, yeah he is. If you've seen the new Batman movies where he plays you know Justice League and Batman vs Superman, he's mm-hmm. absolutely yoked. That happens to everyone that plays Batman. But he's a big dude, like six three, six four. I mean, like you know, a, a broad shoulders, a hulking presence, and uh, you know, you believe it. Like you really, oh, this guy could have been a, a star player, um, and and you kind of buy into him being a former athlete. So yeah, no, I I, I like all those scenes, and I think we we uh, picked all the good ones. What, what do you got for most quotable quote? I. I had a pro- I had issues this because usually I go look up quotes after the fact, but like there weren't a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was the one about like the reason they're not guarding you is because you can't throw the ball into the ocean from the beach, which is the classic shit talking kind of coach thing. What other quotes uh, stood out to you as you watched the film? You know, I was doing the same thing. I was trying to look up some to see like what were really good. the The one uh, the one scene on the bus. I think there's uh, some good ones there where he talks about the father is uh, challenging him to like calm down, stop cursing so much. And he, uh, you know, he asks the father, he's like, do you think God really cares about this basketball game? And he's like, I fucking, I, th- I think he fucking does or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, said, that one like sets you back a second. You're like, Oh wait. Yeah. We okay. got the father. Yeah. comes in and talks to Affleck about his language. And then we, like, he's like, uh, you know, because Affleck's super hot on the bench. He's talking shit to the, the refs and everything. By the way, the one ref he encounters at the liquor store at the very beginning and Sal, our boy, ref in the Catholic League. Uh, With the and, flowy and, hair. Yeah, just great hair, you know, and, and we see him buying some scratch-offs, some lotto tickets in the beginning. And then, uh, but, you know, let it be known that he didn't call that bullshit charge. And that was the other ref. And, you know, the, the end of the game charge on uh, – uh, uh, or it was a blocking foul, I think, or something. Yeah, don't like that. Call, yeah. don't don't ref a game with that guy. He does not have your back. Yeah, exactly. The partners yeah. are supposed to have each other's back. Yeah, he literally went like, "Oh, that's why I didn't call it." Like my other my other ref fucked up. <laughs> uh, so that was where we were left. But um, wanted to point out too this comment we got here. Uh, th- this film is apparently top five in the Sharks rankings, despite him not having seen it yet. Uh, I, I 
for sure agree with that. I mean, this is a classic Mark movie, and uh, uh, the fact that he hasn't seen it yet, I mean, he's going to live live in the theater when he sees this and probably reference Jack Cunningham till the cows come home for the rest of his life. Uh, honestly, he probably views himself as a Cunningham-type player. Um, I, I know that he, he thinks himself as a slashing shooter, kind of do it all from from the wing. Doesn't have to have the ball in his hands, but but can dribble well enough to control it. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll maybe have to do a, uh, another watch with Shark when he can come back in and do this movie. Um, so what, you know, rewatchability, what, what do we think? Are we, are we thinking this is a, a buy on Blu-ray, rent on iTunes? You know, is this, is this a film that you would show to someone later after the fact as like, hey, great sports movie. Where does this, where does this rank? Uh, I think we kind of alluded to, I personally don't feel like it is that much of a, a sports movie. I don't know, but I would say it is a, a rentable if i had to put it in one of those categories i would rent it and watch it kind of you know pull pull it up every four or five years something like that give it an extra take yeah i, I actually i purchased it because um when it got released to vod you know when it left the theaters i intended to go I, we had texted about going to see this together just kind of have yeah. a, a movie you know movie weekend and go see it because it's like right up our alley kind of a, a gritty sports film and basketball. We love basketball here at the barn. So we had planned to go see it and then it came out and then COVID immediately happened and we couldn't make it. And so the second I realized it was going to get released, I wanted to support the film too, because like that sucks. It sucked that it happened. You yeah. put your heart and effort into this and I'm sure Rome will be able to test this when he joins too, but how much heart and effort they put into the making of this film. And then that happened. So uh, I purchased it and, and watched it. There's a couple extras that are great about the background of, you know, how they had Affleck working with the actors and Affleck talked a lot about how this was basically like he was playing himself and how the director was like, there were times where I would just like, just let Affleck do whatever. You know, there were scenes where he would like the beer in the freezer thing. I don't think was in the script. And Affleck was like, no, here's what I would do if I was doing wow. this. And, um, the, the, you know, if I was on a bender, this is what I would do. So it was sort of just like, let him be him and be a good actor. Uh, and that was where we uh, we ended up. But. Um, you know, it is a uh, it is a really good film, I think, and something that it, it's it's not really a basketball movie, like you said. But you know, are any of the sports movies really? You know, take a look at Hoosiers, for example. You've got a, a story of basketball, but there's addiction in it. There's retribution. A, a coach, Gene Hatman's character, is a cheater and gets back into the game. You know, and there's stories of retribution in all of these, or else you don't really have much. But yeah. I mean, we still get the the montage of the team winning and all of that. I feel like. <laughs> pose you a question what did you think of the quality of basketball as far as like the basketball scenes uh i did i will say i didn't notice things that bothered me you know sometimes i'll be like mm -hmm. wait a minute what like that, that would never happen or like what like there, there, there's no way they'd be playing like this or whatever like so i felt like it was you know effective like th there was a couple scenes where Affleck was calling like plays in the timeout and that he was doing a good job like drawing actual plays up and you know in, in real life situations he was giving the ball to the right characters you know the point guard he was having the big man come set the screen and all that so that was cool uh what do you think about the basketball in the film no I thought it was I thought it was pretty good yeah like you said nothing really stuck out as like that's totally crazy I, I did notice that at one point he uh it might have been the memorial game he's trying to set up a press but with a team that, you know, it doesn't look like they've had a ton of – with him, they've had hardly any time to practice because he starts, like, over the weekend and their first game's on Monday. But just, like, drawing up a press and telling everyone just to go for it, that was a little far-fetched. far, far -fetched, But 
the, as far as the, the diamond press, man, the diamond press works all the time. I mean, that, yeah, that's... but but if you have a team that if you have a really well coached team, then sure they know. But if you have you know a team with only six deep, you, it's probably you're not going to be able to press the whole game probably. So that's, that's why that... they're running the bleachers, Zach. They're getting in shape <laughs> and the stamina. But um, we're we're actually now joined by our boy Rome Mathis. Let me uh, join him to the show. We got Rome Mathis here in the show now. What's up, Rome? We got we got he's the sixth man for the Bishop Hayes Tiger Squad, uh, and uh, he we're happy to have him join the program now and talk about his his involvement in the movie. Rome, how are you, man? What have you been doing? Man, I'm doing well. You know, um, staying safe right now. You know, staying indoors. Um, you know, just trying to be super careful and and take care of myself, take care of everyone else around me. So, um, super crucial for everyone to stay indoors right now. You know, stay at the house. Um, you know, and there will be a time when, you know, all this will be over. So, uh, but for right now, I think everyone should definitely, you know, stay in the house, stay quarantined and stay healthy. It's hard too. And you see like someone, one of your friends out on, on Instagram that posts like a story about them somewhere and you want to be like, Hey man, like maybe, maybe just go home. You know, you don't need to be doing this right now, but it's, we're all kind of keeping each other accountable too. So we appreciate that message. Uh, you're out in LA right now, right? Yeah, I'm in LA. So uh, how is it? It's 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 strict out here. Like even when you go to the grocery store, they want you to have a mask on. Um, I mean, the city's pretty much shut down. It's crazy. Like there's no traffic throughout the city, which in LA is unheard of. But like you can get to one side of LA to the other side of LA in like 20, 30 minutes right now because you know people Damn. are trying to you know follow orders and and stay home as much as possible and only travel when. Um, you know, it's an emergency super need be type basis. So, you know, we're on lockdown till at least May 15th and we'll hear from the governor and see if, if things are going to open up after that. That's crazy. Especially a bustling town like LA. I can't fathom what it's like. It's gotta be movie. Like, I mean, with the deserted streets, because the traffic is like, that's what you know about LA. Like, you know, it takes like an hour and 30 to get anywhere. We've got a good friend who lives in Rancho Cucamonga. Uh, Mm -hmm. he works for the government out there. So he'll, he'll, I mean, I've been out there once, but yeah, it's, I know that's a gotta be wild to see. Yeah. I could probably get to Rancho right now in like 45 minutes, which normally that's like a two hour, two and a half hour trek if it's traffic like crazy. Yeah. So how'd you get into acting? Uh, first off, you know what? I think you went to Arizona with uh, some other friends of the barn burner, mm-hmm. uh, Ta- Taylor and uh, to some extent, Sub too. Yeah. And yeah, so that's how yeah, we yeah, met yeah. you. So, you know, those guys. Uh, so where are you from? How'd you end up at Arizona and then and walk us through from there? Yeah, man. So first, I mean, if, if we really want to take it back to like my acting career, I started acting in like middle school. It was just something that I wanted to do. I, I saw other kids doing it. And I was like, oh, that looks fun. And I know I could do it. Um, so I just went for it. Like, I've always been someone that like, you know, if if I want to do something, you just jump in, you just do it. That's the best way to start. It's not creating a game plan or anything like that. You just got to go for it. Take a leap of faith. So I, I did that back in middle school. Um, but then going into my college career, you know, I always thought like, oh, I want to be an actor. But, you know, your parents and people tell you that's not realistic. Like, think of something you could do. So I'm like, OK, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get a business degree. So I'm from Tucson originally. Um, I wanted to go to one of the UC schools. I wanted to go to like UCLA, USC, but that was like way too expensive. So I was like, Mm. you know, I'll stay home. It was a school that I was comfortable with. I grew up watching U of A basketball, U of A football my whole life. So I was like, you know, I'm a homer. I'm going to stay home. Went to school, studied economics. uh, But towards the end of of my college career, it's coming down to, you know, what am I going to do? I need to start looking for a job, like work a regular job for the rest of my life is that something I want to do 
And I thought about it and I was like, no, I want to pursue a passion. And so I went back to what did I like to do when I was a kid? And I like to play basketball and I like to act. And it was like, well, you know, I'm about to graduate college. I'm not going to the NBA. So let's pick up acting again. So I just picked it up as I was, you know, finishing out my last semester of college, uh, graduated and I moved out to L.A. And here I am, man, just acting away. So you, you, you graduate college. You're like, I'm going to do this acting thing. You pack up your car and move out to L.A. Mm-hmm. without any plans like you have no. You have no job, no gig yet. I mean, you have you just pack up your car. You have friends out there. Do you, you don't have an agent yet. You're, you're just out there hustling, yeah. I guess, right? Yeah, no agent yet. So, like I said, I started acting before I left college. So, I had already started, like, you know, selling myself to people who were in L.A., like casting directors. And I got an acting coach that was based in L.A. We would work kind of how we're working now, like, over the Internet. Like, just, you know, FaceTime, however I could get training. Um and yeah, I mean, just packed up my car, got out here. But like I said, because I had already started six months prior, um, I had connections when I got out here. I had a friend um, that, you know, lived out here and a lot of people from L.A. go to University of Arizona. So all my friends that graduated as well were back here. So, you know, it was a lot of people out here supporting me and stuff like that. I can't just say like, yeah, I came out here and didn't know anybody like I came out here and I was pretty established. I, I was pretty blessed. To, yeah, to that's good. At least you had a network and people to fall back on too, because you For hear those sure. crazy stories about someone throwing a trunk in their car and driving out mm-hmm. there and just showing up at some casting director's door and figuring it out. Yeah, um, I have so many friends that are like from Delaware or like West Virginia, and like they're like, yeah, I didn't know no one west of the Mississippi, and I just packed up my car, and I'm like, wow. man, like hats off to you, man. For sure. Uh, so how'd you get this role? You know, walk us through the beginning of your career, and you you end up you're getting this role. And then I guess you're, you're trying to, it seems like, I don't know, you could speak to this, but you, you love playing basketball, you love acting. So it seems like maybe you're targeting projects in which you can kind of merge those two passions or, or maybe not, you know, walk us through that. Definitely. Definitely. So like something that I was told is like, you know, everyone that wants to act can act like they're all here to act. So you have to find your niche, like something that can get you in the business, like a skill that, you know, not that many other people have that will get you on board. And that, for me is basketball. I've been playing basketball since I was like three years old. Um, so I ended up getting an agent and stuff. And I told him like, you know, send me out for stuff that has to do with basketball. Um, I'm good at playing basketball and it works. So I get this audition and it's like, Oh, basketball role. And by this time, you know, I've already been in LA for a few months. I've gone on tons of auditions, basketball auditions. So I'm pretty, you know, accustomed to what's happening, but I get to this audition and there's like 500 people there. They brought in like every basketball player in LA, you know, that's not playing for the Lakers or Clippers. People are like six, nine, seven foot people like, yeah, I play in Serbia, all this stuff. <laughs> and, you know, they play overseas and all this stuff. And I'm here like five, 10, you know, like I like to play and I'm good, but these are pro- like, they're professional basketball players that do like commercials in their off time. And I have to think so, you see these people at every audition, right? Like you're auditioning for the, all the same kind of roles. So like you mm-hmm. usual suspects all show up every time. Yeah, There's like, you we, need, we need some actors that can play basketball. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure Memorial but, High recruited some of those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, exactly. But this is different. Even, even like people that were better than the kids that ended up getting on Memorial. And they didn't give us much information with the audition. So, I mean, it's a high school basketball movie. So they ended up going with the people who look younger, but when you get there, you don't know that. 
So I just see all these oh, people wow. and I'm like, yo, they're probably just going to go with the dudes who are, you know, six, nine jumping out the gym. Cause they didn't tell me it's a Ben Affleck movie. They didn't tell me they're just like, we need some basketball players and you guys are going to get paid. Are you going to come? And it's like, yes. So what was the call sheet? Is it just like, yeah, just that guy can play basketball like this kind of looks this age. They give you an age range. What did the call sheet yeah, look like? Yeah. So, so when we got there, that's when they broke it down. Like at first, like I said, I'm intimidated. I'm seeing all these people and I'm like, man, they're like, there's 500 of us. Like they're not going to need everybody what's going on. And then we get there and they're like, we're looking for people who are, who look younger. Like we need high school range. So I was like, okay, that helps out a little bit. Like, you know, it's kind of my area. So, I mean, from there, I just, I went into the tryout and my jumper was so broke that day. I missed every <laughs> shot that I took, but my handle, you know, in layup lines, I was getting saucy. And then I took a couple people to the cup, um, you know, crossed a couple people, was showing them what it is, but I could not hit a jumper. Like I, I hit one and it was like all backboard, like didn't even hit the rim. I was like, there's no way I'm going to get this role. Um, but they ended up calling me back and they're like, oh, so we want you to be a part of this movie. So I'm super excited. And they're like, what's your availability? And at this time I'm working for Apple. So I'm like, oh, I have like medium availability because I have a job. And then I'm sitting there and thinking, I'm like, I want to be an actor. Like if I want to be an actor and I'm telling them I'm not available to act, like how does that go? So I emailed them right back and I'm like, cancel that. I have full availability. And they're like, okay, perfect. Since that's the case, we want to put you on the main team, Bishop Hayes. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. So I tell Apple, like, hey, I got to take some time off. I'm about to shoot this movie. And I tell my mom, everybody, I'm so excited I'm about to be in this movie. I get another email and they're like, oh, you need to come in and audition again. Oh, man. And that's, I'm like. That's a nightmare like, scenario. Oh, nightmare man. scenario. And big studio too, Warner Brothers, you're talking to these execs, you know, this isn't some small like indie film, like this is a big time studio. Mm -hmm. All right, so you go back in for second audition, what, what's that? Yeah, like? so I mean, first I'm like shaking because I'm like, man, I, I've already told my job that I'm taking time off. My, my mom thinks I'm going to be in a movie, like now I'm going to have to go back and tell them, oh, I ended up not getting it. But I go in and uh, they make a scrimmage and we get blasted. The team they put me on, we get destroyed. Like they're cooking us. It's me and like one other guy, my man, Herbert, shout out to Herbert. He ended up booking the film as well. But out of the people they put on our team, it was only me and him. And like, we had a good little chemistry. Cause like you said, like I, I had seen him in other auditions. So we kind of knew each other. We were like, Hey, we got to do what we got to do to book this movie. So we're doing some give and goes and uh, you know, we're both kind of showing out, but we get destroyed, but uh, we do it. And I think I get in the car and I'm driving home. And even before I get home, I get the email and it's like, all right, like you're officially booked. You made it. And I'm just like, praise God. Thank yeah. you. I don't got to go back and tell my mom that they canceled my role. <laughs> <laughs> so then you, so you get, you get booked. And then when, when did y'all shoot? I think uh, 2018 is what I saw online and out, out in LA, right? The whole movie was shot in out in LA. Definitely. So once I booked the role, uh, a couple weeks or months go by, I forget now because, you know, it's 2018, but we start um, having basketball practice, like just practice. We're not working on acting like they're just like, we need to make sure you guys can hoop because some of the guys couldn't. Like some of these guys were just pure actors. Uh, so we had like, I want to say a full six weeks of, of 
like basketball training camp, which for me, it was a breeze. Like I'm sitting in there, like it feels like open gym. Cause it's like, yeah, you're getting played you know, to play basketball. That's like, that's yeah, I'm part of your I'm dream getting, right there, man. And we're just, we're doing some drills. The only thing that was hard is it was only 10 of us. So some of these drills, like we were doing like three on two, two on one or three man weave. And it's like, you do it and then you get back and they're like, go. And then like, you have to get back in line and do it again. I'm like, so I am out of shape a little bit, but like the drills, I'm killing them. And everybody else is like, you know, trying to get the hang of doing a three man weave. And I'm like, come on, bro. Like just pass the ball and then go behind them. It's not that hard. But, <laughs> like I said, they're actors, but you're out there teaching the fundamentals to all these, to, to these, these yeah. folks. And, and really the team is supposed to be a ragtag group. So y'all aren't supposed to look like, you know, just super awesome right off the bat. It's kind of part of the plot. Sure. So I imagine that was part of it. Um, so then you do the training camp, uh, and you, I imagine y'all get to know each other. Is it like a cool atmosphere? Mm-hmm. Is everyone hanging out? I mean, they probably want y'all to gel and get some chemistry going. I imagine. Man, you're, you're spot on, man. That's exactly what happened. We ended up gelling like all of those guys, like even more than friends, like they're my lifelong, like brothers. Now, uh, we all bonded immediately. We were hanging out, like we're at practice every day. And then we're hanging out after practice. Like, cause we just met each other. We're like, yo, we're about to shoot this movie. So, you know, we're going out together, going to get drinks after we're all going as a team to eat food. Um, so yeah, we just, we all gelled immediately. And, you know, like I said, we're all friends. We're all in a group chat now. I think like they didn't introduce us to Ben to like the second or third to last practice, but, um, we ended up meeting Ben and, and then we started shooting, man. And, you know, it's fun. So Affleck comes in third week. What was that like? I mean, is he just walk in the gym? And I mean, I, I, you got to walk me through this. That, that's got to be fascinating for a group of young actors. Affleck, yeah. I mean, we grew up watching this guy. You know, he's a notable actor that I can't imagine what that's like. So walk me through that day. So first off, so we're there and um, police come through first. And, you know, they scope the place out, make sure, you know, it's wow. safe. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, what's going on? And then he just walks in the gym and, you know, he's chill. He goes and sits in the bleachers to himself and he just kind of watches. He watches the whole practice and, and doesn't really get involved. Like we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know if he was going to because like we had a whole the the studio hires like a third party to basically coordinate a basketball coordinator, if you will. Um, Game changing films. So hmm. they've done so many movies. They did Coach Carter. They like they do the basketball for all these movies. And they were like. When Samuel L. Jackson came in for Coach Carter, he came in on the first day and grabbed the clipboard and was like, I'm the coach. Then he kind of sat back a little bit, just watched and observed. And then at the end of the practice, they're like, oh, we want to introduce you guys to Ben. And he comes over like he's still trying to fill us out. And I think I was the first one to say something. I'm like, man, come on. What's up? Give me a hug. Like just trying to like, you know, we're all close already. So I wanted to acclimate him all right away. And he's probably like, who is this kid? Like, who does he think he is? Like. But um, I think not that practice. And then the first day that we actually shot, it was still kind of filling each other out. But I think after that, he got really comfortable with us too. And he gelled the same way. I was just talking about all my guys. When I talk about all my guys and call them brothers, um, Ben is included in that. He's in our group chat. Um, he's a mentor to us as far as acting goes. I mean, he's even outside of acting for some of us, a father figure like, you know, he gives us life advice and so much. So, I mean, man, he's just a cool guy. He's awesome. And he helped us out so much throughout the movie, making it a, a, a good experience for us. It's always he, good to hear, too. Go ahead, Zach. Did he play with you guys at all? Like, to get any run in? 
No, no, nah, he didn't play nah. any basketball, and and he'll be. This is the only thing he doesn't oh, like. Oh no! Like, hopefully he doesn't watch this. But I don't know if I want not. it spoiled for me. Yeah, I want yeah. you to breach any non-disclosure agreements that you you know. I know at the I end, is that actually him shooting the shots on that open the beach court? It's not. It's not. Oh, we, had shit. To hire, we had to hire somebody to do it. Uh, I saw him pick up a basketball uh. once the whole time we were shooting, and um, I think he like picked it up. Like you know when Melo. Remember when Melo did like the pump fake on everybody? Yeah, I don't know if y'all saw that. Like, but that's basically what Ben did to us. Like, he picked up a ball and we we're like, <gasps> and then he put it down, and we we're like, ah, but yeah. Oh man, that's that's awesome. So uh, yeah, that, that, that nicks one of my questions. Is I was gonna say like who checked Aflac and like what? Give me his go-to move. But it sounds like y'all didn't get some run in. Yeah. Uh, no. All right. So who's the best hooper on the, the in real life on the team? Uh, y'all played a lot. Okay. All right. All I right. would say without a doubt. But um, behind me, um, Fernando is really good, who he played Garcia. Um, so Garcia is really good. Uh, behind him, I would say Melvin, who he played um, with Marcus. Yeah. yeah and, so and Melvin's we were, pretty good. We were talking about Melvin, too. I mean, he was in High Flying Burt, you know, mm-hmm. before this. I knew I recognized him, so I beat him and saw that. And that's, of course, like another big kind of behind basketball movie. And it's yeah. so, Steven Soderbergh film, which he shot, I guess, mm-hmm. before this. So on he's, iPhone uh, ten, Right, yeah. It was yeah. all filmed on iPhone ten, But, yeah. yeah. So what – did he have any advice for you guys? Like, hey, I've, I mean, I've played – in. I mean, granted, there was no real basketball played in High Flying Bird, but uh, it was cool to see him pop back up. And I guess he's kind of in the same wheelhouse as you, but – um, so it sounds like, you know, that you were the best and then, and Melvin was pretty good. And so, but, but at most of the starters, it seemed like you didn't name I mean, How was Brandon? Did Brandon have to learn the game? Brandon is good. He, he can okay. hold his own. I put him in that same tier. Like okay. it's me. And then like, it's after me, Fernando, Brandon, Melvin. Um, and then after that, it's the other guys that are on the bench with me. So, uh, uh, Ben Irving who played, uh, I forget his character name. Um, but he's like the strong safety. He's a football player. He was solid. Like he's not bad, but like he wasn't. He had probably a tier behind them. But Brandon was decent. Yeah, it, Bobby Freeze yeah. was his name. Yeah, Bobby Freeze. Yeah, the, the, the screen, the screen setter, rolling to the what rim. Is, Did he have good hands? I mean, you got to have good yeah, hands when you're rolling that, to the rim. That's actually like his role in real life. Like he'll back you down, hit like a little dirk fadeaway. So okay. like that was kind of his game. Like you know, cut to the basket, set a screen, roll. If you hit him, he's going to catch it and get a good layup. So he was solid. But, yeah, like I said, me, I think I'm like a tier on my own. And then after that, Melvin, Brandon, Fernando, Tyler, Herbert, like the bench guys. And then I'll say like Ben. And then underneath that, Will, who, you know, he has the three-point chopper, but he's not the best (laughs) basketball player. He'll admit it, though. But, hey, he worked really hard, though. On the team, he would really be like the 12th man who's like – there because his dad bought the jerseys uh, but, <laughs> yeah. he, but he plays really hard he, right he, he gives 100 percent, and he gave 100 percent every day and and i salute him for because he's a baseball player mm. so you know to, to pick up a whole different sport and you know give it your all every day even when you're struggling he did his thing man so shout out to will for sure playing the playing our sharpshooter boy kenny the womanizer mm-hmm. of the group yeah man <laughs> yeah. kenny got them ladies man that's him in real life too. He get all the women. Oh yeah, all right. Nah, nah, I'm just a <laughs> well, yeah, all right. Shout out to our boy Will. Yeah, um, Zach, were you about to say something? No. So, so did y'all shoot in order? Was it shot chronologically to, or, or you know, expl- what was the first day on set? What was that scene? For sure. So the first day we shot at um, St. John Bosco High School, which is like a huge football high school in in Southern California. 
Um, we shot there first, and that was like one of our away games. Uh, after that, we shot everything that all of our home games. So any anything in our home gym, we shot all of that. So we shot the practices, uh, Memorial, the time we beat them. We beat them before we lost to them. Um, if we shooting wise, because mm-hmm. um, we shot everything in that gym. And the last thing, the the last thing we shot was us going to Memorial and getting our asses kicked. I hope I can say that on here. Yeah, yeah you're good. Yeah. yeah, you can say whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's I always find that interesting. Like that's that's always tough when you're shooting out of order and you have to portray mm-hmm. the developing relationships and all that stuff too. So that's interesting. Um, cool, man. Yeah, I need I need some good Affleck stories. I mean, if, if the ones you can tell. I mean, it sounds like you are in a group chat, uh, sure. and and so you, you he's going to be kind of a mentor to all you guys. Is probably giving you advice both professionally and personally at this age. He remembers what it was like to be a young 20 something year old in the business and has hit I me. Mean, he's done everything, man. He's won an Oscar for writing. Yeah. He's acted in Oscar movies. He's been in not so good movies. I feel like he's run the whole gamut for a young actor that you can. Have. He's, he's directed movies. He's directed right. and starred in movies at the same time. Um, man, he's a beast. Uh, just when I think of him, he's like, he's just a true despian and even more than that, like he's just fully immersed in the business, which I appreciate. He's not just some like celebrity and he's a celebrity. So he just gets in movies. Like he actually cares about the art, which is important. But uh, I mean, if we get away from the art, if you want to hear my favorite story about Ben is just when he literally took all of us to Vegas. Um, so we like wrapped the movie and, um, He's like, yeah, so, you know, we're wrapped, but we're all in this group chat and we're like, what do we do now? And he's just like, do you guys want to go to Vegas? And we're like, of course we like, who doesn't want to go to Vegas? Is that a, is that like, a question? Yeah. Yeah, we want to go. And then like Melvin hits him and he's like, well, are we taking the PJ? And then Ben's like, well, let me see what I could do. And then like a couple weeks later, he's <laughs> like, Van Nuys Airport, be there tomorrow. Like he gave us one day's notice and he's like, we're going to oh. Vegas oh, on the PJ. But who's, man. who's not going to take that up? Like, I don't care what I had planned. I was going to figure it out. So man, we just, we go to Vegas. Ben is super big on playing like blackjack and stuff. So he taught us all how to play. We're playing in like private rooms, high stakes rooms and stuff like that. Uh, we got to go to um, a playoff hockey game. I think it was the Knights and I forgot who they were playing at the time, but some man, I'm not going to lie. I was so drunk the whole Trip. Like, so, so I bet it's just did. one big blur, man. Like that's that's it Vegas was, for you a, in general. But big, exactly, but this is a different level because like we get on the PJ and as soon as we got on the PJ, they're just like, "What do you want to drink?" And you don't have to pay for it, and it's all top shelf. And it's like, it's gonna be a long couple of days. <laughs> but man, it was a blast, and it was just you know I can't share too much because you know we're in Vegas. What stay? What happens in Vegas stays yeah. in Vegas. But like I said. You like to play blackjack. We played a lot of blackjack. We got to go to a hockey game all together. And, uh, you know, we got to fly private, which was something I had never experienced before. So that was, you know, amazing to do. And uh, that's that's my best Ben Affleck story. That's not bad, man. I think that's a lot better than a lot of people's Ben Affleck stories. What an experience. Um, For sure. So what was Gavin O'Connor like, the director? I mean, did, did, you know, was he really hands-on or he let the basketball coordinator kind of handle most of the on-court stuff or explain the shooting process during the day? Man, Gavin was amazing to work with. Like he, even though like I'm an actor and he's the director, like he cared about our opinions. Like 
we'd be like, well, can we do it this way? Or what if, you know, like if we had an idea, it was okay. It wasn't like, he was like, oh, my way or the highway, we're going to shoot it this way. Um, you know, one through 10, like I said, there's 10 of us, obviously I wasn't the highest man on the totem pole, but even if I had an opinion or a suggestion, he was always down to listen. And, uh, as we went on, um, I mean, my suggestions were normally taken because I knew the most about basketball. So when it came down to basketball, if I was like, you know, this isn't realistic or something like that, he'd be like, okay, what can we do to make it realistic? Or let's partner back up with Amy, the, the coordinator of basketball and, and figure out a way to make it realistic. Like he was just super hands-on. Like he talked to us. Sometimes you hear directors, like they stay in video village and like, yeah you never see them like you just see their assistant director whoever but he was always coming out asking us how we were doing did it feel good he just wanted to make it look natural i think that was the most important thing for him is like you know a natural feel and um i think we we got that i mean obviously we didn't do anything uh, i say like the basketball was vanilla it's not like we got too complex um but it, it made sense and i heard that's what you guys were talking about before I got on, but I mean, spot on. I, I said the same thing about the press. I was like, you know, we only play six guys. Like, well, how are we pressing? Like, it doesn't make sense, but. Why is everyone I, else busting their ass on the bleachers when they're not going to get in the game? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got What's going yeah. on? I mean, yeah, like the dramatic license kicks in a little bit there. And so basketball, the movie bullshit comes into play a little bit when. It, it has to be, up. you know, it, it, no movie is perfect. That's the way I look at it. Like, it can't be a hundred percent authentic like you know it's it's two different worlds um you know trying to coexist and you know you want to hit that movie magic but obviously you want to make the basketball look real the best way to do that is to keep it simple really and that's what he did all the plays he drew up were like simple like the jargon it's not like we had him you know talking about the nail or you know anything you know keep it simple hit the high posts pick and roll yeah, know, things that everyone hit can the guy on the yeah hit yeah. the guy on the baseline. So kept it real simple. But part of that is because it is supposed to be more than just a basketball movie. Like you right. see, he's going yeah. through his issues and stuff. So you know, basketball was you know important, but it wasn't the main thing. So we kept it very simple. What is Atlanta High? I know that's an offensive set that's called out. We never get to see it in action. What do you? What, what was that? Was that was that part of the motion offense or break that play down? Uh, no. Um, let me try to remember because it was actually like a play that we drew up. Um, but it it really is just like it was so simple. I think like um, the the four or the five comes and and screen. It's a pick and roll, and then the 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 two guards or the wing and the guard just set like a down screen. And someone comes off of it. I, to be honest, man, it's been so long. But yeah. we were running these plays. Like, it was an actual play that we had in our offense. And um, it was actually like a good, you know, simple play that, you know, could work if you called it every now and then. But I want to say it was really like basically what the play he called most of the game. Like, when you see he's like, oh, someone set the high screen for Brandon. And then Garcia and Free set the down screen for Kenny to come off and shoot the three that was basically it but uh obviously there's all those options like you can hit the screener or the roller um and all that but yeah we we actually had a couple of like plays that were drawn up and it just didn't make its way into the movie a lot of it ended up being like um montage scenes and stuff like that so 
right? A lot of basketball had to be played to get those montage cuts. So how much, you know, were, was there any scenes that you were in that made the cutting room floor that you were really proud of that we didn't get to see in the film or uh, anything you want to shout out that we didn't get necessarily see that as part of your process in, in the film or? Yeah, um, I would say a lot of like what we were doing in practice, like because we shot a bunch of stuff for like when we were in practice, um, like more than just us running the bleachers, like we were all running suicides and we're all like, you know, just going through practice, different people. But part of it, to be honest, when we were playing, so we're like, they just had a scrimmaging, like we're actually playing. And um, Gavin like is like cut, he yells cut. And I think I scored like three, four buckets in a row. And he's like, I can't use any of that. Like you're killing them and it's not realistic. Everyone is going to watch the movie and be like, why isn't that guy <laughs> a starter? Cunningham doesn't know who to play. Yeah, yeah Cunningham's just exactly. mismanaging his roster, man. Like, for, forget Brandon. We need Rome. Yeah. So, so really, they were just like, we can't use any of that. So I had to like scale back. So a lot of what I did was just like, I acted like a backup point guard. I'd like, if you even see like, there's one part in the movie where we're like in practice, and I just like pull it up and set up the offense and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I was cooking in practice when <laughs> they when they would allow me to. That's the hardest kind of acting to do is to act like you're worse at something than you are. And that, that, I, that's harder than actually practicing and being good at it, I have to imagine. For sure. Um, well, cool, man. Well, I know Tinseltown's shut down right now because of COVID. No one's doing anything. But what do you have on deck for the future? You know, what, what kind of projects are you looking to get a part of? Or have you got anything lined up that you can talk about? Or, you know, what, what's the future for Rome Mathis look like right now? Definitely, man. Um, so, yeah, everything's shut down right now. So as far as, you know, when everything's going to open back up, we don't really know when. Um, but, you know, just being patient at this point, I don't have anything immediately booked for for when things open back up. But I feel like the floodgates are just going to open like right now because people are still writing. People are still like, you know, trying to get their scripts out there. So right now it's like a dam, like everything's just building up. And when they do let everything go, they're going to be like, yo, we need to cast these roles and um, so hopefully a couple fall into my hands, but, um, I did like a TV show episode that will probably be coming out this summer that I shot a couple months ago. So we're just waiting for, you know, that, um, show to air. Um, and yeah, just right now focusing on my craft, you know, I'm still taking classes and stuff online, obviously can't go out, but, uh, still getting, a um, not a lot, but a good amount of auditions. So, uh, they're just not giving us word. I mean, I could have already booked one of these auditions and they're just waiting to figure out when we're going to start shooting and they'll hit my agent and be like, all right, well, we liked him. We just haven't said anything because we didn't know we we're going to start shooting. So uh, we'll see. But I mean, the future is going to hold a lot more of me. I mean, you could just I'll, I'll say that you're going to see me, you know, I'm trying to be in movies, TV, um, you know, voiceover, cartoon, all of that. I have all of that planned. And uh, I know you were kind of asking me about like basketball, like yeah, I love basketball and, and, you know, I could see myself doing another basketball role, but I don't want to limit myself to that. Yeah. You know, I, I, I plan to do it all. So I could do sports roles. I could do comedy roles. Like I said, cartoons, just straight drama, comedy, um, you know, whatever comes my way, I'm ready for it. We're excited to watch your career progress, Rome. Looking forward to what you do next, man. And, and it was awesome. You booked this role. It's huge. I mean, you made a lot of great connections in this and, We'll be excited to see what you do next. Uh, I always like to ask 
uh, friends of the program that come on that are in the industry. What was the last great thing that you watched uh, and enjoyed that you can tell our audience about that something maybe they, they haven't seen? Right now, all we're doing is watching shit. Uh, and, yeah. and, and like you said, practicing your craft. A lot of the writers are in the, the bunker right now writing scripts. And everyone, I think, like you said, there's going to be just an overflow of available projects when this op- when Hollywood opens. But what was the last great thing you watched and something you want point to point out to our audience? Sure, man. I'm watching tons of stuff right now. You know, I'm always watching, trying to see what's going on and, and, and who's acting and what I can take from other people. To me, watching shows is like watching film. So it's like, you know, when you, sure. you see a basketball player or a football player watching film, movies and TV is film for me. Uh, what's big for me right now, uh, Black as Fuck just came out on Netflix. Um, it's starring and written by Kenya Barris, who's like, he's huge. He came out with like Blackish and mixed it mixed fish and all those other shows and uh shaft the new one the the remake but yeah kenya's huge in the business and shout out to him um the show's a success i really like it um money heist uh been watching that watch a lot of shows um movie wise what's the last good movie i've seen um it's been so many um I'll take it back. I just watched like Hotel Rwanda, which is an older movie. I think it came out like 10 years ago. But Don Cheadle, man, he's a beast. Mm. So that's something that I've watched. You know, obviously new movies aren't coming out right now. So I'm going back and watching the old ones and, you know, just seeing people work. Um, but yeah, excited for, you know, things to open back up and, and be able to start watching some new movies again. I think the last movie I saw before COVID started was Invisible Man. And uh, yeah, that was, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, it got just like way back, got released directly to VOD, and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And two, you know, related question I want to ask before we let you go is like, what, where do you think the movie industry goes from here? I mean, you think we start seeing more direct to VOD situations and less theatrical run, or because this is kind of like this weird experiment now that Hollywood is being forced to do because of this mm-hmm. disease. What do you think happens? Definitely, that's a great question, man. Um, and and we actually asked Ben what his opinion was. Um. So I'll kind of give you what he told us just because I feel like he's a little bit more knowledgeable. He talks to those executives every day. But um, I don't think movie theater. Well, he doesn't think I I basically agree with what he said. Movie theaters aren't going to go anywhere, but I feel like less movies are going to go into those theatrical releases. It's just going to be the big box office hits. So when you think about that, you're going to think about your animations for kids because kids want to go out when they see those and see them on the big screen. And then obviously the huge movies, the Marvels, the you know, just those huge, the Fast and the Furious, all those movies that, you know, big box office, $100 million. Um, movies like The Way Back, you know, dramas and stuff like that. Um, it's going to be that video on demand straight there, or a streaming platform. And uh, I mean, it's. I, I think the business is definitely going to change and, and this is part of it. I think a lot of stuff is going to change with, with all that's going on, but, you know, change isn't necessarily a bad thing. So we'll take it in stride. Agree. Uh, well, Rome, appreciate your time, buddy. Thanks for coming on. You got two big fans here in Memphis and with the barn burner. So we'll look forward to what you do next and uh, feel free to jump on the program anytime. If there's a movie you want to talk about, let us know and let's, let's chop it up and do a whole podcast on it. Definitely, man. I'm with it, man. I appreciate both of you guys for having me, man. Thank you. Of course. Uh, and, and you know, I appreciate y'all from Memphis to LA. My guy. Yes, sir. All right. All right, Rome. Talk soon, buddy. Best of luck. Stay safe. All right. Bye. Thanks man. Y'all too.